People think life is complicated and it can be. Experts and influencers tell us life can be less complicated if we follow their advice. The experts make life seem life complicated, and it might seem reasonable to suppose it can be simplified. There certainly are a lot of people who believe this and would like you to believe it. Life, it is true, contains many options. Every moment seems to present us with a multitude of choices. But can it be simplified in the way the experts and influencers suggest? Claiming life is complex but can be simplified is a lie, because it is said to deceive. Life is complicated when founded on lies. It is true to say lies complicate life. A life based on lies cannot be simplified because lies cannot be simplified. A lie can only be complicated by even more lies. To have a simple life you need a life based on truth. You cannot simplify the life you have because it is based on a multitude of lies. The lies life coaches tell us are especially onerous because they are especially harmful in their deceits. The Babylonian system does not have truth in it. Liberals, it is said, are too sophisticated to believe in anything as antiquated as truth. Babylon is a system full of doubt and fear. There are no truths in Babylon other than the truths of feeling and of free expression. If there was such a thing as truth, there would be a strong foundation for faith. People can have faith only in the truth. But liberals are merchants of doubt and with doubt, comes fear. People who are fearful can be manipulated. If there is no absolute, analytical truth, then nothing is really a lie. If there are no absolute truths, there has to be laws. Liberalism is a system based on laws and laws encourage and reward obedience. To be free in liberalism is to have no qualms about the orders you are given. The liberal is free of preconceived preferences and notions about boundaries and limits. Liberals are free to obey. Thus, liberals are a people of laws and ethical, legal, systems. Liberals know that if they can sow the seeds of doubt regarding the idea that children are innocent, they can normalize pedophilia. Once we have doubted the innocence of children, once this happens, then everything is on the table. At the point we cease to protect our children, we are all complicit and we have all lost our moral compass. Once a person has been compromised, they lose the capacity to decline an order. It is at this point they are under the law. There are many ways to look at the process of enslaving people. Indeed, there are many forms of slavery. At root slavery is a loss of moral autonomy. But most thinkers see it as the inability to own property or as an absence of the rights of ownership. Most equate slavery to a loss of bodily autonomy, which is ridiculous. The mind controls the body and unless someone can control your mind they have no control over your body. Can the owner make the slave kill his own children? If not he does not have control over the moral autonomy of the slave and therefore does not control the body of the slave. It is when the person does not have moral autonomy that he or she becomes a slave. We see this loss of moral autonomy in human trafficking and the Stockholm Syndrome. The physical control is not absolute, but the person has lost the capacity to make independent choices. There is a large power disparity between slave and his owner, but this power comes down to the owner's control over property which in some cases includes the slave who has become property. This works only when the enslaved is so compromised by doubt and fear he has lost his or her moral compass. His life comes down to gaining enough resources to maintain his or her life. But it is the body that the slave owner has a claim to, not the mind. 
This is a problem for it is the mind that the slave owner actually wants to control. The morally sovereign person is not a slave. The person who is morally compromised, by doubt and fear, is. Mankind has dominion. Lots of people think dominion means having physical authority over animals and plants. But control over animals is a short step away from control over others. But the idea humans have physical authority over animals and plants is fanciful to say the least. Dominion is a spiritual authority or moral authority not physical authority. Having moral authority is closer to being spiritually superior to the lower orders than owning them as property. There is no suggestion the Bible gives us freedom to do with the world as we wish. In any case the word of God does not deal with the exercise of physical power. The church is built on faith and truth. It is our moral autonomy that gives us dominion. Romans 6 verse 11 Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. 12 Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. 13 Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God, as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. 14 For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. 15 What then? Shall we sin, because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. 16 Know ye not, that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. Our dominion is not over things but over our own selves. We are not under the law. We are not to be subjects of a state. But if we are subjects of the state and governed by their law, how do we claim moral autonomy? The mistake is thinking, as the corporate church thinks, that we can achieve moral autonomy as individuals. Sanctification is not just a process of personal growth it is transformation that must take place within the body of the church. It takes a community to perfect a sinner. It takes a sinner to perfect the church. But if the church is compromised what is left for Christians to unite behind? If political parties always trend towards the centralization of power and more control over the resources of the nation, and if business leaders are willing to compromise their autonomy to reduce risk to their capital, and the church prefers to embrace popular culture rather than be marginalized, what must those outside of these institutions do? There is a fourth option still available to us. It is weak but not compromised. Labor unions have consistently sought compromise with the church, state and capital but its basic principles remain intact. The a priorian union. Unions compromise communities of faith. Conventional thinkers do not portray them as such. Conventional thinkers are overly influenced by conventional ideas about faith. What is the opposite of faith? The world thinks facts are the opposite of faith, because they think if a person has a fact they have no need of faith. The fact is, the fact cannot be believed in because facts are generated by the scientific methods, which is basically the inductive process. The inductive process is in turn based on phenomenology and the belief reality is physical and everything that exists and can be known, is describable as facts. But no number of observations gives us a fact that is unassailable or irrefutable. An inductive proposition is always contingent, probabilistic and relative. Therefore, all facts are propositions that are open to doubt. If there are no number of observations sufficient to overcome an objection, there is no fact anyone is able to have faith in. 
Therefore, faith and facts if they are not categorical opposites, are certainly incompatible. The only thing we can have faith in, are absolutes, and these are the product of analytical truths. Truths are not facts and facts are not truths. Analytical truths are not synthetic facts and synthetic facts do not rise to the threshold of a truth. Atheists assert the proposition, God exists, is not a fact. Christians often argue the point, but they are wrong to do so. God is not the product of inductive reasoning. The statement God exists is obviously not a fact as it is not based on inductive reasoning. No number of observations will force an atheist to conclude without doubt that God exists. God exists is an axiom and axioms are propositions that gives rise to analytical deductions. People ask what the church is, if it is not people in pews or buildings, the answer is that it is not a physical thing. The church is spiritual not physical. Therefore, it is not possible to see the church in the way we see a house or car. The church is not a fact and cannot be found inductively. The church is an organization of faith. It is analytical and discovered by means of deduction. Faith is required to find the church because it is a product of truth. How to manage a flat organization is a dilemma atheist and their allies have pondered on since at least Babylon, without coming to a solution. There is no solution to this dilemma for atheists, because the only way to live together in faith is in the way God provided. The church is analytical, logical and absolutist. The church's way to live in faith that the world has consistently rejected. Inductive organizations require law to operate, whether this is the law of the state and other governmental agencies, or rules laid down by other authorities. Inductive or fact-based organizations look at individual behaviors and extrapolate a rule that will deal with the outliers. A law is a kind of fact. Thou shalt not kill and do not drink and drive are facts but in their context they are known as laws. The quid pro quo is not state but assumed. If you break the law, you will suffer the repercussions. But the administration of law and the establishment of facts both require power gradients. Induction creates steep power gradients. But truth is not like that. We are all equal before the truth. But the question must always remain as to how do we transition from this world of fear and doubt ruled over by law and steep gradients of administrative regulatory power into a relatively flat organization of equals? To do this one rule must be scrupulously adhered to at all times. We cannot create costs that society and future generations must absorb. But the fact is, if we live in fear and doubt we will put up barriers and seek methods of protection from those whom we fear. Thus if there is an environment of fear, faith is pushed out. Yet, a small group of workers are sufficient to begin the journey faith. But we must understand what faith is and where it is found. We cannot claim to have faith in God while living in fear of the people of God. We cannot claim to trust God yet live in doubt as to the intentions of believers. This is why we need a union and why unions are the natural way God works in the world. The church is a union not a club. It only takes as few as three people to form a union. The union operates as the owner of record for donations made in the capitalization phase. Unions represent God on earth working through believers as the body of Christ. The formation of a union permits workers to sell all they have to the body of Christ and give the proceeds to the poor, yet have the means to earn a living, pay their living expenses and support their family. It is necessary when dealing with the agents of Satan to create a formal structure and this is the union. 
the a priorian union, which is organized as a craft union, purchases assets from its members in an equity for asset swap. The assets owned by a worker are taken over by a craft union serving that worker's craft. The value of these assets are liquidated by an issue of equity transfer to the worker's account in the craft guild. The guild is overseen by a general council made up of members of the represented craft. The council issues bonds for the assets donated to the guild in its capitalization phase. These bonds can be cashed in for preferred shares as needed. Preferred shares are used as a medium of exchange in the union businesses. A priorian unions are faith-based formed in accordance with the following passages. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 7 For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you, eight neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you, nine not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an ensample unto you to follow us. 10 For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. 11 For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. 12 Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness they work, and eat their own bread. 1 Timothy 5 verse 8 But if any provide not for his own, and specially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel. Ephesians 6 verse 12 For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 13 Wherefore take unto you the whole armour of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Apriorian unions are craft guilds that are governed by local and general councils. Limited councils are 12 levels high and general councils are 12 sectors wide. Limited councils are horizontally part of a general council, and each general council is vertically constructed from limited councils. Each council is headed by a chairperson. The chairs of the lower councils form the members of the next higher level council. Apriorian is fractal and modular. Councils are organized according to the principle of subsidiarity. Goods and services are priced according to the labor theory of value. Each of the 12 sectors represents a different occupation, example, the construction sector, the health and welfare sector, the educational sector, and so on. A local council administrates each occupational sector. A general council deals with intersectional issues. Economic development and the transfer of resources between sectors are examples of things a general council would adjudicate. All work done is paid for. There are no unpaid persons in the guild. Even students and housewives are paid a living wage. If the work adds value it is paid for. If a behavior does not cover its own costs, penalties are adjudicated by the council or its agents. Costs are for in prefers and prefers are used to purchase goods and services. Prefers are a currency and a contraction of preferred shares. Prefers, designated by the symbol are never inflationary. Prefers are paid by the guild, into the account of the worker who generated the value. Individuals buy consumer goods and services, councils purchase infrastructure. Both types of customers pay their costs with prefers. A national council purchases roads and other infrastructure projects for the nation from the appropriate national limited council, whereas a state or provincial level council will purchase infrastructure that serves the state or province. 
neighborhoods, cities and regions all have their councils and these purchase infrastructure from the sectors as needed, using prefers as the unit of account. When a purchase is made, the seller's account is credited, and the buyer's account is debited. This is the case regardless of if the purchaser and seller are councils or a volunteer. Prefer accounting is never inflationary and produces no interest-bearing debt. Thus it is that in the guild unions guided by limited and general councils, all freeloading including that of the state, is eliminated.